Ari Rosenbaum here uh, with another episode of that 401k podcast. This week's topic, substitutions that 401k plan sponsors can't afford to make. Uh, of course, first things first, let's talk about our events. Um, got a whole bunch of live events uh, this September. On September the 10th, we return live, uh, Bush Stadium, St. Louis Mo. Uh, meet me in St. Louis, I say. Uh, September 24th, we'll be at Target Field in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And on a special Wednesday, special episode of that 401k conference, Wednesday, September 29th, we are going to be in Planet Houston at Minute Maid Park. Go to that 401ksite.com for further information on how you can sign up. Of course, we have a uh, 401k national virtual conference in January. I believe it's January 27th, 28th, 2022. Uh, still $20, $0.22 to sign up, so please do so. Um, uh, as soon as you can. Uh, we already lined up some uh, plant providers and we'll have further details on our guests and all that other kind of stuff. And of course, over the past week, uh, it certainly looks like we are going to have these live events in September. They lifted the mask mandates. We'll see how that goes. You know, as Han Solo would say, I have a bad feeling about this, but I'm fully vaccinated. My kids just got the first shot of two. So uh, we will certainly be there in September. Um, whether I wear a mask or not for most of the event, we'll see, uh, but that's my phobia, not yours. Um, and also want to plug, uh, in addition, obviously to the, this podcast and whatnot, uh, that 401k university, which is a new short form video series that I'm hosting. Uh, you'll see me, you'll see some other plan providers, these short, like eight to 10 minute little videos on how plant providers can certainly improve their business. Um, I wanted to do something a little bit differently. I think that, um, quite honestly, when you look at content, um, you have so much content out there, uh, you know, hours and hours at a time. And here's more like, you know, here are these eight to 10 minute short bursts of, you know, important info. Uh, working with some of the other plan providers and, you know, interviewing them and, and talking about topics that are, you know, instrumental to them, not just here from me. Uh, it's always great, in my opinion, to get other voices and talk to other people. So let's go back to the topic. Um, you know, I was a kid growing up in the 70s and the early 80s. You know, uh, I was born in 72. So, you know, you, you certainly have a fondness for that time. Um but, you know, it was an interesting time, especially the 70s. Um, it's what I always call the decade where fashion went to die. Um, taste, I think good taste, uh, at least in clothing and and indoor, you know, home furnishings and, and home design, um, certainly uh, did uh, disappear for that time period. A lot of, you know, and when I think of a kitchen, I think of a lot of linoleum, a lot of brown, a lot of green, a lot of yellow. When I think of clothing, I think of, um, you know, when as a kid, my mother would tell me, oh, you know, fashion comes back. Well, you know what? Leisure suits and ruffled shirts never did make that comeback. But, you know, as a kid growing up in the 70s and 80s, you would see, you know, a lot of ads for substitutions, you know, parquet, which... Um, I, you know, parquet, which I, which is like some sort of margarine spread. Um, you know, margarine, 
I don't think anybody uses margarine anymore, except for baking. Um, I think that when they realize the vegetable oil and, and all this and that, you may be better off with butter, but there are other butter alternatives. You know, I can't believe it's not butter or country crock and all those other substitutes are a lot tastier than margarine. I mean, there was nothing worse as a kid eating margarine on like a piece of English muffin, you know. Uh, and of course, uh, big time in the 70s was diet soda, uh, the proliferation of diet soda, which of course started in the 60s with Diet Right. I think Tab came out in 64. Uh, diet Pepsi obviously came along and, you know, there was just a wide variety. There was Pepsi Light, which was a Diet Pepsi with a lemon flavor. Uh, Pepsi Free, which, uh, you know, if you see uh, Back to the Future, uh, Michael J. Fox's character, uh, Marty, uh, you know, asked for Pepsi Free. Pepsi Free was merely Pepsi that was caffeine free. But, you know, um, there were a big, big deal with substitutions. And, um, you know, the problem with some of these substitutions, I don't know whether they're actually healthier than the things that they replaced. I mean, I don't think margarine is that much healthier than butter. And, you know, there's always been that concern. You've heard those stories about saccharin and NutraSweet and, and whatnot. But, you know, quite honestly, if I didn't drink Coke Zero or any other diet soda, I'd be about 400 pounds. And now I'm just about 145. But anyway, plant sponsors uh, can't substitute um, their role. And this is, um, this podcast is really talking about, you know, substitutions that plant sponsors really can't afford to make. Number one on the hit list is obviously uh, a plant sponsor substituting their role as plant administrator with the TPA. And, you know, I think the plant sponsors really don't understand that 401k TPA is a third-party administrator. They aren't the plant administrator unless you hire somebody who takes on that role as a um, as a 401k plan, uh, as a 316 fiduciary. And, you know, plan sponsors need to realize that ultimately when working with a TPA who is not serving as a 316 fiduciary, uh, that they are um, on the hook for liability for errors and transgressions that go with the day-to-day -day administration of the 401k plan. Um, and, and, and unfortunately, 401k plan sponsors have too much, um, uh, have a set it and forget it mentality when it comes to day-to-day -day plan administration of the plan. Um, you know, uh, the use of a TPA is really not a substitute uh, as a plan sponsor's job as plan administrator. Uh, the TPA's role is to assist. It's not to assume uh, all the responsibilities that go along with it. If the TPA screws up and compliance testing is incorrect for whatever reason or the Form 5500 wasn't filed, the 401k plan sponsor gets the bill for all the costs of fixing the, always, you know, fixing all those errors and ensuring you can, you know, sure a plan sponsor could always sue the TPA for errors or get some kind of reparations, but that doesn't really change the fact that the 401k plan sponsor is always on the hook uh, for liability. And, you know, uh, 20 some odd years now later as an ERISA attorney and um, nine years working for TPAs, almost 10 years, I have fixed errors caused by the TPAs I worked for and other TPAs that, you know, were, were quite nearly catastrophic. Um, 
and and so many times you'd hear the the plant sponsors say, "Oh, you know, I trusted this TPA and whatever," and you know, it always reminds me of that uh, line in Animal House. You know, I'm not going to curse, but you effed up. You trusted us, and you know the the 401k plant sponsor just really can't you know explain it away. It's their responsibility, and they're on the hook and. I mean that's 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 what it happens. They you trust the TPA and, and and they did a poor job and you got screwed. And you know, 4K plant sponsors could certainly hire a 316 administrator. Many TPAs wear two hats, or you could hire uh, an outside 316 administrator. I, I have a I have a affiliated business that does that. But you know, the only problem with hiring a 316 administrator is, um, you know, 4K plant sponsor has to review the contract. To see what parts of the job that the 316 administrator will do and what they won't do, and um, you know, there's no set uh, um, you know uh, uh, position where um, you know uh, a standard 316 agreement or a standard 316 uh, level of services. It, it quite varies, and so I think it's important that if you have a 316 contract and the 401k plan sponsor wants to hire a 316 administrator, that they hire an ERISA attorney. To review the contract to make sure that uh, uh, that there is enough level of protection to warrant the hiring of a 316 administrator, rather than just somebody who just signs the 5500 and, and files it away. Another thing, uh, what's no substitution is, and, and I, I see a lot of foreign key plan sponsors doing it, is uh, plan highlights are not a summary plan description. Um, retirement plans, of course, qualified plans are covered by the Internal Revenue Code and uh, ERISA, which of course uh, stands for the Employee Retirement Income Security Act of 1974, which was effective January 1, 1976. The Internal Revenue Code is uh, very concerned about the tax qualification of a qualified plan, and ERISA is all about particip uh, participant rights and, and protecting them. And uh, the plan, uh, you know, the situation is, is that ERISA is requiring um, 401k plan sponsors or any type of uh, ERISA-covered plan to um, give participants and their beneficiaries uh, a copy of the summary plan description. And the sum, sum, summary plan description has a lot of uh, basic set language. And, and quite honestly, over the last 22 years, I want to say the biggest fights I've had with 401k plan sponsors uh, has done has been with the language in SPD. They want to try to chop some areas and and whatnot, and even working with some uh, outside ERISA attorneys and dealing with the language. And I, there there are certain ports, parts where you have to you know set your ground, uh, stand your ground in, in terms of um, what you're willing as an ERISA attorney to cut out of the SPD. And, you know, SPD has obviously a, a summary of the uh, plan provisions as well as a summary of the participants' rights under the plan, eligibility, vesting, all that kind of stuff. And um, the problem is that 401k plan sponsors think that plan highlights uh, is some sort of substitution for an SPD, and, and it's not. Employees must receive a copy of their... Um, SPD within 90 days after becoming a participant in the plan. Uh, the SPD is what it, you know, is to quote Dennis Green, it's what we say it is, which is um, 
a full summary plan description. Um, you know, plan highlights was uh, created. I, I don't remember there always being plan highlights, but plan highlights um, is really a two-page document that is uh, produced along with the investment election in a plan, uh, investment election form that is handed out to participants at a plan education investment meeting. Uh, and SPD obviously is, is, you know, when you deal with a lot of legalese and ERISA rights, it's about 25 to 40 pages. And it's required. Plan highlights is not. Plan highlights to me is like, uh, is like the cliff notes. Or I used to say monarch notes because where I, when I went to school, monarch notes were a little bit more popular than cliff notes. I don't know if they put out monarch notes anymore. And... Um, Plan highlights is really not a, a legal substitution for an SPD. Um, it's it's like you know it's like the famous uh, you know this line will be airplane. Uh, Stewart says I like something like to read, and Stewart says, well, I have this leaflet on famous Jewish sports legends, and and that's what a plan highlights is. It's it's no more than a leaflet, and um, plan sponsors need to identify that. Um, a new SPD uh, is usually produced when there's an amendment and restatement. Um, the SPD has to be, a new SPD has to be handed out if there's a plan amendment uh, that amends a part of the plan that affects uh, a provision in the SPD, then the plan sponsor has to produce a summary material of modification, summary, materi summary of material modification in SMM. And, um, you know, the problem with not handing out an SPD uh, is, you know, theoretically the Department of Labor can um, fine a plan sponsor up to 159 bucks a day, not to exceed 1,594 bucks per request. Um, and and the problem is, is that I, I think that a lot of 401k plan sponsors don't realize that they have this responsibility to uh, uh, disseminate that SPD and plan highlights don't help. So, you know, off the record, well, not off the record because this is a podcast, but, you know, my wife had had, um, had switched jobs during the pandemic. And the reason that she did was because um, uh, the company uh, laid her off during the pandemic. You know, it's one of those situations where my wife was making way too much money for, um, you know, for what they considered a position that could be eliminated. So she would let go, but, you know, during that time period, she had a job offer, so she switched. Uh, but anyway, um, some interesting things happened in terms of her distribution request. She received the distribution of most of her money last August, and then uh, come February, there was a, another um, uh, distribution. Uh, I believe I believe it's a safe harbor uh, contribution, and I, why I believe it is because my wife never got a copy of the SPD. And only got plain highlights, and so, needless to say, uh, when you have a husband that's an ERISA attorney, you know uh, the ERISA attorney is going to know what to do, what to ask for. So, needless to say, um, you know I called my friends uh, that do uh, my bidding in terms of compliance, and let's just say uh, we're getting to the bottom of it. But you know, I I, I say this because. It, it, it's, a, it's a possibility that this uh, former employer could be fined for something really, really silly. Uh, they do have, they did provide 
through my friends. They did provide a copy of the summary plan description, but it was a new summary plan description that wasn't effective when my wife worked there. So it's interesting, um, you know, what happens. And, and it's just a silly mistake that, you know, 401k plan sponsors get that SPD from their TPA or their risk attorney, whoever provides their plan documents. And it's important that they, uh, that they uh, provide uh, that SPD to their participants and, and, and beneficiaries. Uh, next on my list, uh, Morningstar profiles or any type of, you know, FI360 profiles. I, I always have to give a shout out to my friends at FI360. They're not substitutions for investment education. And I always bring up the story of my old law firm and Pat, the HR director, and, um, you know, she would hand out Morningstar profiles. We had no, uh, prior to helping with the plan, we had no investment advisor. Uh, the uh, funds were, you know, 10 years too ripe, as I say, so they were spoiled. And I basically told her, you know, you can be held liable for the losses sustained by a participant. And this was right before the market imploded in 2008. So, of course, she hired the advisor that I didn't recommend. And uh, we went on our merry way and, um, you know, plan sponsors really need to um, identify that they need to provide investment education to plan participants. You know, there's such a misnomer about ERISA 404C, the idea that, you know, I give a participant this election form, they fill out that election form, direct their investments, and they're, you know, they're on the hook for liability. The problem is that ERISA 404C requires plan sponsors to provide enough information for plan participants to make informed investment decisions. And quite honestly, a, a, a bunch of profiles on some old funds don't really do. You need to provide, 401k plan sponsors need to provide investment education as well as um, fiduciary support uh, in terms of reviewing investments and, and whatnot. It's just, you know, uh, just handing these things out. Uh, doesn't help a plan sponsor uh, out with uh, eliminating or, or reducing liability. Protection on the of 404C requires a prudent process of selecting or placing investment options based on some sort of criteria. Uh, it didn't, you know, it wasn't going to help Pat out. And, you know, uh, you know, I always tell this funny story, that, you know, years later, there was a problem with the plan and I had already left the firm. And one of the trustees called up, uh, and I was recommended to them to fix the problem. And that trustee didn't remember who I was, um, and he wanted me to come in and uh, just let's fit, let's cut to the chase. Pat got wind of it and canceled my appointment to come in. And needless to say, I, I didn't get the job of fixing that plan out. But this is the price for admission when you're quite vocal and um, call people to task. Uh, but that's, uh, that's, that's part of the job. Um, I, know, I know that. Last but not least, um, you know, again, going back to Pat, you know, she gave me that form and, and I said, man, these, these investments look really, really old. Um, I forget which funds were there, but they were funds that, you know, I remembered uh, from the late 90s, early 2000s as really good funds, but kind of fell out of favor. So, Pat had told me that the ERISA partner who was no longer there because they had broken off and 
went their merry ways uh, as an ERISA-only firm, they picked out the investments, you know, 10 years earlier. And uh, we didn't have investment advisor on the plan, as I said. And it, it's surprising, you know, this was a, this was a, a firm that, you know, had an ERISA practice and, you know, it always begs the, you know, famous saying, the college kids have no shoes. So the ERISA attorney's 401k plan is mismanaged. But, you know, the ERISA attorneys only made up at the time I was there, you know, three out of 70 some odd attorneys. But anyway, you will be surprised how many 401k plan sponsors don't have a financial advisor. They think they can handle themselves, you know. Uh, I got my SoFi uh, personal investment account. I do really well with it. You know, you know, I bought MGM. Uh, I bought MGM stock right when the pandemic, uh, right after the pandemic broke and Las Vegas was closed, and, I, and I'm up like 200 percent. And 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 for the most part, the crypto investment's doing well and all that stuff. And I don't like to brag, but the fact is, is that if I had an employee for my 401k plan, I would still hire an investment advisor because what I can do on my own in terms of picking investments doesn't come close to what a good financial advisor does to a 401k plan. Providing investment education plan participants, managing the fiduciary process, managing an investment policy statement, reviewing funds, and determining. When they can be, when they should be replaced, and when they should, you know. So that's uh, that. You know, that's the issue, um, and uh, it's still surprising um, that you know there are four K plan sponsors that don't want, um, you know, don't have a financial advisor and, and don't think they need one, and you know, a good advisor is kind of like a good quarterback uh, in managing that fiduciary component of the plan and limiting the plan sponsor's liability exposure. And it, a good advisor also serves a, as an ombudsman, as they say, when the TPA isn't doing their job or another provider has you know certain problems, certain issues. They, they handle a lot of the grievances, uh, kind of like Festivus, the airing of the grievances. It's always the financial advisor that usually, because of their relationship with the plan sponsor, is usually the one person that can handle it. So... Uh, 401k plan sponsors really need to realize that they can't substitute the role of the financial advisor. Impossible. They can't handle it on their own. Unless, of course, they are a financial advisor. And, of course, if you're on your own uh, financial advisory firm handling your own 401k plan, uh, of course, there's the caveat to prohibit transactions and, you know, people want to get paid for work that they're doing for their plan participants. Uh, that's a, another hurdle for another time and another topic for another time. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of that 4K podcast. And of course, go to that 4 site.com for all our events coming back in September. Meet me in St. Louis, uh, September 10th. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I know it uh, conf- it doesn't conflict with Napa. Napa starts on September 12th to the 14th. We support our friends at Napa. We hope they will have a fantastic and successful event in Las Vegas. I'm jealous, as I say. But uh, we had to reschedule this event, and I wanted to reschedule it as soon as possible, uh, within uh, you know, not within the summer months. So uh, if you're in the St. Louis area, please come out, as well as Minneapolis and Houston. Uh, it's going to be great to be traveling out and about again, and uh, of course we'll try to keep each other safe. And, and uh, you know, uh, I'm not going to make any political statements on what you have to do, but. Obviously, be careful, and I I hope to see uh, a good chunk of you in September. Take care.